All right, everybody, welcome back to our series on the games of 1981, Level 3, Frogger. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Today, we're continuing our series on video games of 1981. Today, we're going to be talking about Frogger, one of the best video games of all time. It is. When I was looking at this, did you ever think when the two frogs are on the log that they're actually copulating during the game? So you say the frogs are hogging on the log? (laughs) 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 Okay. Family friendly. Here we go. Okay. All right. So, Frogger. (laughs) So, Frogger. Frogger released June 5th, 1981. Yes. So... We talked in our previous episode about the development of Pac-Man. And there are a couple of things that we need to kind of understand before we jump in here. So we've got multiple video game companies on both sides of the pond, right? You've got video game companies in Japan, video game companies in the States. But the interesting thing is not all of the games that are successful in Japan are going to be successful in the United States and vice versa, right? Right. I mean, we talked about how Radar Scope was second only to Pac-Man over in Japan, but when it's Nintendo got it over here, they couldn't sell but a third of their small quantity of them in the States. Right. And so, oddly, the same thing almost happened with Pac-Man. And it's because of this cultural difference of cuteness tolerance. Mm -hmm. Like, Japan loves cuteness. It's all about the cuteness. We talked about the magna art. We talk, we you can look at all of the various characters that have come over from Japan that are big and fluffy and cute, and even yeah, now, I mean all the anime, all the Pokemon stuff. Right. The Japanese culture loves cute, cute. And when Pac-Man came out, he was cute. Right. And the ghosts were cute. They had the eyes that looked like cartoon eyes. And it was just a perfect little maze like you would have as a little kid. Fantastic for Japan. But when people from the AMOA show in 1980 looked at what Pac-Man had to offer, they ignored it. They're like, eh, that's too cute. I don't, I mean, this, our American folks are not going to be interested in playing this cutesy game. Right. And Bally Midway literally took a chance because it needed titles and Pac-Man was cheap. And so <laughs> it said, you know, what the heck? Have you seen the Hudsucker Proxy? No. He keeps drawing a circle and he keeps going, you know, for the kids. And it's like a ball and a hula hoop and it's all this stuff, right? So they thought this is a cutesy kids game. This is a Namco game. Yes. It comes over and becomes the most successful game in history up until that point. So how does this all relate to Frogger? You're asking me. I'm asking you. Would you agree that Frogger is cute? Frogger's cute. It's definitely cute, right? It's Uh not a manly man game. It's cute. It's a frog jumping across the street. Right. Frogs are cute. And so whenever it came, it it had been created over in Japan. Yes. Right. Um, Actually, the guy who came up with the storyline was just trying to think of an idea and was driving in traffic and literally saw a frog trying to make it across the road. Stopped his car. If my wife listens to this episode, she's going to be like, oh, my gosh. 
I had to do this as an early <laughs> married person all the time. I didn't rescue frogs, but I rescued a ton of turtles. I have scars on my arms where I've been bitten by a dog trying to rescue a dog that was stuck next to the side of the road. So he gets out, he rescues this frog, he gets it to the other side of the road, and he thinks, I've got my video game idea. Yeah. They create it, they develop it, they send it over to the States, and everybody that looks at it goes... Too cute. Too cute. Too cute. So our hero in this particular story is a young lady who is a grad student at the University of San Diego. Okay. She's working for the paper. Okay. They have this yearly book that comes out where they try to promote commerce by highlighting different businesses around. And her job is to go look at these new computer enterprises that are popping up all over San Diego. And this is before the internet, obviously. Right. So this involves her driving around in her car looking for shop fronts. Sure. And one of the ones that she happens upon is this new video gaming company called Gremlin. Okay. So she goes in and she's she likes video games. She's a gamer herself. Uh-huh. So she starts talking to the founder named Frank Fogelman. She's asking him all these questions. And at some point she says, so how do you know if a game is going to be a success or not? And he didn't have an answer for her. Uh And so she says, you need to hire me. And he's like, no, you're overqualified. I don't, I don't know. She's like, listen, you need a marketing research person. I have experience with this other company. I know what I'm doing. You need to hire me. He says, no, she calls him back the next week. And he says, no. And she calls him every week for two months. And finally, after two months, he says, fine, bring your resume in. He hires her. And her first job is to find a game for Gremlin, who has recently been purchased by Sega and is now Sega Gremlin. Sega. Yes. Find a game for them to license from the library that they have of all these submissions that they get. And so she goes in this dark, nasty library room trying to find these things. She's literally putting in VHS tapes, trying to find some good pitch for a game. And she comes across Frogger. She brings it to him and and she's like, this is great. Why haven't we licensed this one? And he's like, well, because we've already had a frog game and it was a total flop. That game is called Frogs. Yes. Have you ever played it? I've, uh, I think I've seen it before. It's, it's, the frog is jumping up in the air trying to catch flies. It's kind of like, like duck hunt, you know, like the flies are flying around and you're trying to guide your frog wow, to, okay. to catch the flies. And he's just floating along on a lily pad. It, it's not, I can see why it wasn't a big success, okay. right? It's, okay. But duck hunt-esque. And then they also noticed nobody else has licensed this Frogger game either. So that's another indicator. This is not going to be Nobody wants it. Why would we want it? Right. So they were banking on this game called Eliminator. They thought it was going to be their next big hit. It's the only four-player vector game that has ever been made. It's like Star Castle or Tempest, you know? Yeah. Except there there were like, you could have, on the table set, you could have four people on each end of the table. And it was in color. So they're like, oh, you know, Tempest, big success. Ours is in color. This is going to be great. But it wasn't at all. And so she keeps saying, we need to do Frogger. They say, listen, if you can convince management to go for it, then sure, that's fine. 
but they knew how that was going to go. Right. Because management were these executives from Paramount. Like it's the same company owns Paramount, owns Sega Gremlin. And so it's a bunch of old men who probably knew something about business, but didn't know anything about video games. Sure. And so she comes in, she's this young, like 20, early 20s girl in this manly man world to make her pitch for this game. She's got little booklets that she's made on why she thinks it's going to be a success. She hands them out to each of these old executives from Paramount. She starts her pitch and one of them immediately throws it back in her face and says, look, we've already rejected this. It is just a woman and kids game. Why are you wasting our time? And she says, oh, am I talking to the same group that rejected Pac-Man? Oh, wow. And that shut everybody <laughs> up. And so when she realizes that everybody's like, oh, crap, she just went there. And so she starts making her pitch, realizing that they've, they're kind of backtracking on their aggressive rejection. Yes. And she says, listen, easily memorizable patterns. Yeah attractive presentation yes great soundtrack all of the exact same things that pac-man had going for it we have going for this and all i'm asking you for is 90 days for us to license it from konomi and see if we can get somebody to bite on it that's it 90 days and one of the executives says you know what give her her gd kids game we'll see what happens And they let her have it. 60 days. Paid $3,500 for a 60-day license. Nice. So they get it put together. They take it to one bar this time. It's called Spanky Saloon. Spanky Saloon. In San Diego. Okay. Who's your favorite little rascal? Spanky. <laughs> Is it Alfalfa or Spanky? <laughs> this saloon has almost exclusively guys in it. Uh-huh. But they play test it there. Okay. It goes nuts. <laughs> it goes nuts. It got all kinds of attention. It's all it took. And when they showed it at the AMOA, which is the Amusement and Music Operators Association show, when they showed it there, it immediately took off and Frogger is born. Nice. Nice. It becomes Sega Gremlin's biggest hit of the time. It's so big that Parker Brothers buys the home video game rights. Not only do they buy it, they bid on it. They bid, they bid a quarter of a million dollars to get the home video game rights. Parker Brothers did. Yes. Because they had lost some other game and they were really angry about losing that game. They got turned down for the quarter of a million dollars and the president was so intent, he offered them half a million dollars for the home video rights to this game, which was obviously a huge boom. And let's just think about that for a second. In 1981... They got half a million dollars. They were they were a company that didn't really exist on the radar, and they get half a million dollars. If not for the young grad student standing up to these suits, we probably would not have had Sega Genesis. Yeah. Wouldn't have Sonic the Hedgehog. Wow. Think about it. That's amazing. You're exactly right. Frogger and its success due to... This girl yeah. gave us Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Hey, you know, the the home video game, the Parker Brothers Atari 2600 yes. cartridge, they marketed 
the Frogger game and the Empire Strikes Back cartridge at the same time. Uh-huh. They spent $10 million marketing it. Yeah. George Lucas and Lucasfilm spent $6 million marketing the actual movie Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh. So that's how big video games were. Okay, before we talk about gameplay, let's talk about the music, okay? Right. And once again, I'm not Japanese. I've never <laughs> been to Japan. Like I said last time, the most Japanese thing I know is Mr. Rubato. So here's the deal. One of the things that is kind of distinctive about Frogger is the music involved in it. Yep. Okay? Yeah. So the game's opening tune is the first verse of a Japanese children's song yep. called Inu no Amarurasen. Let me translate that for Thank you. you. It'd be dog policeman. The dog policeman. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Cutesy kid music. It is. It's sort of like Mary Had a Little Lamb or uh-huh. Yankee Doodle or something like that over here. It's just right. something everybody knows. It's a kid's song. Yeah. But it's super catchy. Right. Other tunes that are played during gameplay include the theme to the anime. Hanu no ko lun <laughs> And you can quote me on that. Oh my god. I got this one though. Uh-huh. And finally, Rascal the Raccoon. Okay. When they brought it over to the States, they replaced, <laughs> I think, that second one with Yankee Doodle. There you go. Yeah. A little easier for the Americans to pronounce. Yes. And, and recognize. The, the reason why I bring these up is because when you play Frogger, you have that super prominent music playing the entire time. It's part of the game experience. Absolutely. And one of it's kind of interesting if you go back and look. I mean, we're going to talk about Defender. I don't think there is any music in Defender. Nope. Just sound effects. Right. So 81 games are just really starting to get soundtracks at that time. I mean, Pac-Man had it, but not a whole lot of games did. And so that cuteness plus the kid music really added to the appeal in a way that they didn't expect. Before you get into gameplay, I wanted to mention something to you. Yes. Activision was a company that had split off of Atari and created cartridges for the 2600. One of the Activision games that I had Mm -hmm. was a game called Freeway. Right, right. And this was a game where you you had a chicken and you're trying to cross the road. Yes, Chicken crossing the road. Get it. It's like a joke. <laughs> I wonder why. Why? That, I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe to get to the other side. But the interesting thing, so I always thought that either Frogger copied Freeway or Freeway copied Frogger. But that in this case, that wasn't. Yeah. That didn't happen in this case. Yeah. Allegedly, they were developed at the same time on opposite sides of the Pacific Ocean. Yes. That's, that's what I read, too. And one of, I don't really get to play games on my phone much anymore, but when I first had kids and we first started playing games, one of the first games that I remember getting was Crossy Road, which there you was go. Yeah. a chicken going across a road, except it was more 3D. And I was like, gosh, this is Frogger. This yeah. is Frogger right here. Yes. Um, but yeah, they ended up having to sue quite a few folks just to make sure that their game wasn't infringed upon and won about $1.8 million doing it too. Wow. All right. So let's talk about gameplay for a second. Go. Okay. So in Frogger, you are a frog. 
Yes. Hopping across a street. Yes. Occupied by cars going different direction. Yes. Some fast, some slow. Then you get to this median uh-huh. where you have a safe spot. Break. A break. Yeah. And then you have to jump on either turtles or logs. And then finally you jump into a home space. Like frog home. Where the frog lives. Yeah. Right. Right. And you have to do that continually until you fill, I think, five frog homes. Five frog homes, yes. The cool thing is, is that the turtles will dive, and sometimes there's a crocodile, sometimes there's a snake, and it's just, it's just fun. You're just hopping across, trying you, to go home. You know, at the time, I mean, we're talking about it being a kid's game, but at the time, it had more ways to die than any other video game in the arcade. Yes, more ways to die. And when you get hit by a car, it was like this gruesome death. It was like, <laughs> boom! Skull and crossbones, <laughs> epic sound effect. And it wasn't like, yeah, Mario just sort of had this dizzy thing and fell on his back. Yeah. This was like a full on splat. splat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so you could die, you could die by getting hit by a car. You could die by running into a car. Yes. You could die by jumping into the water in some weird universe where frogs can't swim, I guess. Right. You could die by riding a log off into the side of the screen. Yes. You could get eaten by a snake yes. on one of the logs. Yes. There are sometimes the logs were crocodiles, and if you jumped on the mouth side, yep. you could die that way. Yep. If you hit the hedge instead of hitting inside the frog home, you could die that way. Yep. Sometimes there were alligators inside the home, and you could <laughs> die that way. Yep. I think that's eight. I don't know what two I'm missing, but there were all kinds of ways to die. Yes, the turtle could dive on you and you could drown. Right, the turtles go under, yeah. And you could run out of time. Oh, right, the time limit. There you go. Yep, most ways to die in a video. In 1981. In 1981. All right, Jason, as far as Frogger goes, there is a number. Are you ready for this? Yes. 860,630. Do you know the significance of that number? High score? Yes, but whose? I don't know. Hey, look at the high score. GLC. George Lewis Costanza. That's not you, is it? Yes. Oh. (laughs) That would be George Costanza, (laughs) who held the Frogger record at the pizzeria in Seinfeld on the Frogger Seinfeld episode, which ends with them stealing the game and trying to run it across the highway much in the same way that the frog tries to cross the road. That episode is hilarious. Yeah. George trying to cross the road with the video game. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't make it. That's awesome. Spoiler alert, it doesn't make it. <laughs> I played a ton of Frogger. Yeah, me too. This was nominated as one of the greatest video games of all time. It absolutely is. It, I, I can't believe how many good games came out in that same year. It's just amazing. It is amazing. Iconic games. Frogger, let's just recap real quick. Yeah. Donkey Kong gave us Super Mario Brothers, which ultimately gave us Nintendo, the NES, the Super NES, the Nintendo 64, and all the things that come with that. Legend of Zelda, all that stuff. Yes. Frogger gave birth to Sega, which then in turn gave us Sonic the Hedgehog, and the Sega Home Genesis, and all the stuff that comes with that. Yes. These are hugely impactful games. Absolutely. 
And the other games that came out that year were Ms. Pac-Man, which led to a ton of Pac-Man spinoffs. Yep. Or was a part of a ton of Pac-Man spinoffs. Galaga, which became the the gold standard for the space shooter games that had absolutely started with Space Invaders. Yep. And Defender, which literally turned Space Invaders on its head. <laughs> and that doesn't even cover games like Kicks and Mousetrap and Gorf. Is it Kicks or Quicks? I call it Kicks. What is it called? I don't know. What do you call it? I call it Quicks. Okay. It's QIX. Yeah. It's a fantastic game that did not get the notoriety that the, these that other game's games got. That game is freaking fun. But it is a great, great game. Where If you don't remember it, it's the one where you're uh, you're just a dot on the frame of the screen, and you come out of the frame to make little boxes. And your objective is to fill up most of that space without getting hit by the little floating... It's like a little zapper running zapper around. Zapper running around. Yep. So that wraps up this episode. We have more video games coming next week in our series on the best video games of 1981. Come back next week where we talk about Ms. Pac-Man. Thanks for joining us. Go to our Facebook page, go to our Twitter page, go to our Patreon page, send us an email, let us know how we're doing. Yeah. Jason, you got any quarters? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but I'm saving them for myself. Okay my quarters up on the screen. I got <laughs> next. I got next. Frogger in the front, liquor in the back. <laughs> <laughs>